1: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today on the show... We're going to do something that we haven't done since, as far as I remember, March of last year, March of 2021, almost a year ago, and we're going to talk some Georgia basketball today. We've surprisingly had a lot of requests for us to talk some hoops on the show and address just the general state of the basketball program, had a lot of requests to address the Tom Crean situation, who the next coach is going to be. We've had a lot more interest coming in through social media and our inbox about the state of this basketball program than I thought we would at this point. I mean, with the situation we're in, I figured a lot of people would have just given up. And I know there are those people out there. Some of you listening might be those people. But we've had a lot of people reach out and ask us to talk some basketball. We've been putting that off because, obviously, again, we wanted to bask in the glow of that football national championship. We had to live that up. And we're still going to be living that up, but we had to give that some time to breathe. But now I think it's okay today to turn the page a little bit and go heavy on some Georgia basketball talk. Now, unfortunately, as you might imagine, the conversation today is not going to be super pleasant and it's not going to focus on the court. And and that sucks. That's what we like to do here on this show. We actually like to talk sports that's kind of what we do. Not so much storylines, but but sometimes the storylines are the headlines. And when you are in a situation we are this season with our basketball program where it's just absolutely dreadful, I don't think any of you actually want to hear me talk on the court stuff because it's just a tough watch right now. And I'm suffering through watching every one of these games sometimes most of the time against my better judgment I mean I'll literally go into games like game days but like, I'm not gonna watch this tonight there's no way there's a better basketball game I'm not gonna watch this and then invariably I end up finding myself watching the game and Saturday against Auburn was a great example I was like oh my god we're gonna get murdered like there's no way why am I gonna waste my time it's a Saturday nice day let's watch something better But what did I end up doing? Of course, I ended up watching the basketball game. I'm kind of glad I did because we almost pulled that off. But then at the end, it's like, why did I watch this? This was inevitable. Either we're going to get blown out or my heart's going to get broken. And yeah, that's what ended up happening. But when it comes down to it, I know when you have six wins on the year, no one wants to sit here and listen to me talk Georgia basketball, like on the court stuff, even if I watch all the games. So I'm not going to do that to you. And sometimes the storylines are the headlines. And that is certainly the case with where we are right now, with the current state of the Georgia basketball program. So we're going to be like storyline heavy today. That's just kind of where we are with the Hoops program. I hope in the future we can actually talk like hardcore basketball like we have in the past, but we're just, we're just not right there. We're not there right now, man. And that's, um, that's unfortunate. It sucks, but it is what it is. But you guys know, if you've been paying even the slightest bit of attention to this basketball program this season, like, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, it's an abject disaster that's all, that's all I can say. I mean, that's what it is. It's an abject disaster, and there is no longer any question of if Tom Crean will be fired. That's happening. That's definitely happening, and it's been that way for a while. I guess for me, his fate was sealed. This is me personally. I, I can't speak for the administration, but for me personally, his fate was really sealed back in December. Like I, I quit on him back in December. I'm, I'm still watching the games, but like being invested in Tom Crean and the potential for this team and turning around this program, turning it around under his leadership, I I quit on that back in December when we lost three or four games at home to the likes of George Mason, East Tennessee State, and Gardner-Webb on top of an earlier home loss to Wofford, who is a really good Southern Conference program, but it's still a Southern Conference program. So for me, it was sealed then. But if there was any doubt, like if some people are still kind of holding on to some sort of hope out there, when you start out SEC play 0 and 6 and now we sit here 1-9, and that's going to eliminate any possible lingering doubt, any possible slight flame of hope burning in anyone's chest that it's all gone. It's it's done. The man is done. It's over. So I'm just not going to waste my breath hashing that out any more than what I just went through. It is what it is. And, and this is a result of roster mismanagement. I hear people talk about, well, Crean just hasn't recruited well enough. I disagree with that. I mean, he hasn't been an elite recruiter, but his first couple of classes, especially the Anthony Edwards class, you get Anthony Edwards, you get Severe Wheeler, you get Jaquan Walton, who ends up transferring, you get guys, you get Tamani Kamara, you get guys like that. I mean, that's a good core. And then you follow it up and you get KD Johnson. That's a pretty good core. Like, If all those players he had recruited were on the team this year, if we had Sevier Wheeler, if we had Tumani Kamara, we had Katie Johnson, and we were able to keep a guy like Justin Kyer, who we brought in as a transfer a year ago. He's now in Arizona as kind of their sixth man and doing good things for Arizona. He literally took a demotion. He went to Arizona. He was like... Playing 37, 38 minutes a game for us for most of the season last year was by far our best shooting guard, like really our only option in shooting guard. I guess KD came on once he got cleared and was playing, but he was like a guy who was playing the entire game for us, more or less absent foul trouble. Now he's playing like 15 minutes a game in Arizona, but he wants to win and he wants to go somewhere where we can experience the NCAA tournament. I get it. He went to Arizona. Good for him. Good choice, man. But if we had guys like Sevier Wheeler and Katie Johnson, Tamani Kamara, Justin Kyer back, Ty Fagan back, if we had kept Jaquan Wall, if any of those guys, if we had kept that core together, and I guess you also say if P.J. Horn hadn't torn his ACL in the preseason, this has the makings. It had the makings of an NCAA tournament team. Now, when Tom Crean's your coach, would that team make the NCAA tournament? that's certainly a very fair question to ask. I cannot guarantee that, but any decent coach that roster is going to make a run to the insulate tournament, might even win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. But the problem for Tom Crean was not recruiting. He was able to get players, not an elite level recruiter, but good enough to get players for us to be better than we are. The problem for him has been, number one, in my opinion, roster mismanagement, and this year's case in point. I, th- I thought coming off last year, if we could keep those players, then we had a chance. That's why at points last year, I was saying, like, I'm okay if we give Tom Green a fourth year. I was kind of agnostic. I was like, I'm okay if we do. I'm okay if we don't. I don't care. Um, I can understand an argument either way. I'd be good with firing him right now and just clean the slate and get somebody new. But, you know, give the guy a fourth year. He's got a good little core here. you will see what happens. But then, of course, we had all the transfer defections. Once that started to roll out of control and you find out the entire team essentially is leaving absent, PJ and and um, good old Jackson Edder. And it's like, oh my god, like we got to fire this guy. But by that point, it's too late. You're not going to fire him at that point. You just got to roll with him for a fourth year and see what happens. But once the guys started transferring, I I knew that we were going to have no chance. I mean, I tried to have some hope. I thought we brought in some better shooters, and we did. We brought in some guys that were better shooters, like Bauman, But we were just so deficient in so many other areas, and the roster was just not a shell of what it could have been and what it should have been. So where we are right now this year is a complete example of roster mismanagement. And then, of course, also on top of it, there's just the coaching aspect of this. We simply cannot play defense under Tom Green. It, it, it's obvious and it's year in and year out and we turn the ball over at such an absurd rate. It almost seems like we're just trying to give the ball away. I'm like literally like, hey, you know what? We, we don't really want it. You guys take it. That's like, what it seems like. That's been a theme throughout Tom Green's entire time here in Athens. Poor defense, insane turnovers. He wants to play an up-tempo pace and an up-tempo style of offense. And I like that initially coming in. I, I was big on that, you know, Heavy on cuts, backdoor cuts, all those kind of things, cutting towards the rim, finishing at the rim, all that stuff. Great, love that. But when you play as reckless as he encourages us to do, and you don't put a premium on protecting the basketball, it's going to cause chaos offensively, and that's exactly what's happened. I've heard him so many times try to defend it. So you know what? When you have as many possessions as we have, you're going to have a lot of turnovers. Like, no man, it's not that you have a lot of turnovers. It's not just that. It's the nature of the turnovers. Just reckless unnecessary, absurd turnover. So those two things have been a theme throughout his tenure. So yeah, it, it's it's certainly partly coaching, also partly roster mismanagement, and that's why we are where we are today. And those two things, and also just striking out in the transfer portal this past year, like literally missing on every guy we were trying to go after, our top targets, and then having to settle for guys, with maybe the exception of Cario Quindo, there were some teams after him, everybody else, we just completely had to settle for. got third and fourth tier guys and all that together combines to be a recipe for going one and nine to open conference play with six wins overall sitting here in mid-February. And this just sucks. I mean, I want to say it in a more profound way, but that just gets the point across. It it just sucks. And, And I know that's not news. We know it sucks. We've known it sucks for a while now, but it especially sucks for people who actually care about our basketball program who aren't just casual fans, watch a game here and there, but we actually have some diehard fans. I consider myself one of them. Basically, if you wear Georgia G, I'm a diehard fan. There's some programs I follow more closely than others. Obviously, football, we know that. I follow basketball extraordinarily closely, and I follow Georgia tennis extraordinarily closely, men's and women's, and baseball. Um, I, I follow the other programs as well, because you say I'm more casual fans of those programs. I follow them as closely. I, I'm getting into women's basketball this year, and last year too, so um, I wouldn't say I'm a diehard women's basketball fan because I'm still new to it, but I'm becoming a diehard women's basketball fan. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But at the end of the day, I know I'm not. I'm the exception. I know there is not a huge Georgia basketball fan base. It's like a diehard, hardcore Georgia basketball fan base. Those people exist. They are out there. But I, I know it's a rare breed. And I, I don't blame people because the fact is we haven't been good. The product has been abysmal for the last four years. I mean, we've had moments where you see like glimmers of hope I'm like okay we're boom for the future I see where it is going but like it's never really been good under Tom Green like not even for a minute and um I love college basketball I'm a college sports guy those of you have been with me for a while you know I'm, I'm a college sports guy I'll watch pro sports because I just like sports but I'm through and through a college sports guy I, I love it I live for this stuff obviously college football is number one but just college sports in general man I I, I love this stuff and I actually had basketball season tickets for years. I gave them up because what happened, honestly, is I got tired of paying full freight for them. And I found myself sitting next to people who paid half of what I did because they took advantage of like the Tuesday ticket deal because they were just trying to get people in the seats because no one wanted to come. So I was sitting there watching that. I'm like, man, y'all getting in for half the price I'm getting in. So I just became one of those people myself, and I gave up my season tickets. But I still go to most games, and I desperately – want us to be good at basketball. I really mean that, guys. I desperately want us to be good at basketball. It honestly disgusts me to see programs like Auburn and Baylor. I mean, no no hard feelings against Baylor, but it just disgusts me in general to see programs like that who don't have any basketball tradition or history, the same as we, because that's what you hear is like, well, Georgia has no basketball tradition. Like you can't expect Georgia to be good. Well, neither does Auburn. Neither does Baylor. Guys, Baylor had a player murder another player like not that long ago, like really not that long ago. And here they are winning national titles now. You go look at Auburn historically and compare that to us historically, we're actually slightly better than Auburn historically. And look, they're right number one in the country right now. So it disgusts me to see that happen in other programs while we sit here with our head between our tails looking absolutely freaking pathetic. It's disgusting to me. And what makes it particularly galling for me is the fact that our administration has set by and allowed this to happen. Being okay, being mediocre, just being, huh, whatever, it's Georgia basketball, that's been acceptable for far too long, and I'm tired of it. Again, I'll use that same word, it's disgusting to me. So clearly, I am not happy with the state of things on the basketball side the men's basketball side. Women's basketball looking great. Joni's killing it. Shout out to Joni. And I desperately want a winner. I do. I want to create a winning culture. I want a winner who can come in here and create a winning culture in this program. And I know that's not easy. I am not one of those delusional fans who thinks that Georgia is like this sleeping giant in basketball, and like you just get the, you know, you give me two years and we're gonna be, we're gonna be Auburn, you know, overnight. Because guys, Auburn with Bruce Pearl wasn't Auburn overnight. It took Bruce Pearl a couple years to turn that around. So I'm well aware of what's in front of us, but I believe that we can be a winner. I, I do, because I've seen programs like Auburn and Baylor do it. And that's really what I wanna focus the conversation on today. Who is that guy? Who is the quote unquote right hire? Because I do believe, I truly do in my heart of hearts, guys. I was just saying, I believe with the right hire, if we nail it, we can relatively quickly ish become at the very least a respectable basketball program. I'm not saying Final Fours or deep tournament runs in like the next two, three years, but I think we can become respectable and be competitive because we've seen that, you know, not that long ago with Mark Fox. I think we can do that pretty quickly and then eventually you build on that and we can maybe become something even more than that. I think we have the potential, I think we have the resources, I think that we have the, the raw materials here in the state of Georgia with our recruiting base in the, it really throughout the entire state of Georgia, but especially the Metro Atlanta area, what we just kind of lacked is a commitment to. In my opinion, I think we've we've done some things. We we put some lipstick on the on the Stegman and Pig, and like look, I think Stegman actually is a good arena now. I mean, is it the best in the country? No, but it is. It's fine. Like that's not a problem for us. It's really not. We have a nice practice facility. We're, we're fine there. But I think we can eventually become even more than just competitive. Because to me, if Auburn can do it, because again, guys, go look at historically. Historically while we have been very bad at basketball and we've been an afterthought, Auburn has been even more of an afterthought than we have historically. They made the right hire. Look where they are now. If they can do it, I truly believe we can do it. There's nothing Auburn can do that we cannot do. I 1 million percent believe that. So that's kind of where I am with that right now. But before we talk about who's next, and trust me, we're going to get there. But before we get there, I do want to address something that I don't think it's like a mainstream thought. I don't think like the rank and file Georgia basketball fan believes this, but I have seen and heard from more than a few people. I've seen and heard this more than a few times this winter from different areas, different outlets, different places. But I've seen and heard this idea that knowing what we know now and how things have worked out with Tom Crean, that we shouldn't have moved on from Mark Fox back in 2018. That, that was a mistake. I've heard this. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know, but I've heard this. And to me, that notion is just plain crazy. I I just, I can't buy it. Again, to me, it goes back to, are you committed? Do you care about the Georgia basketball program actually maybe kind of somewhat eventually possibly becoming a good program? To me, what happened is we hired the wrong guy. Just because we hired the wrong guy to replace Mark Fox does not mean that moving on from Mark Fox was not the right move. And look, this is coming from a guy who really likes and respects Mark Fox, especially as like a coach, like coaching players. And I supported him for many years. In fact, I was still supporting Mark Fox longer than most fans were. Like most fans started to turn on him and I was still kind of sticking by him as much as I could. I was slow. I was slow to the fire Mark Fox train because to me, at least we were competitive with Mark Fox. And like we were on or around the bubble Pretty consistent with a few exceptions in his nine years. Here's our coach. I mean, for five straight years, we were 500 or better in the SEC. For five straight years, we were over 500 overall. We won 20 or more games three straight years under Mark Fox. And that's the first and only, actually, the only other time outside of of the tubby years where we went three straight years winning 20 or more games. They can say we played more games and sure that's fair, but still we were at least competitive under Mark Fox. Like we were, for a while they're trending in the right direction. And that's why I was a little slower to jump on the, all right, we got to get rid of Mark Fox train than a lot of other people were. Some people are very trigger happy. I'm usually more deliberate in my thinking, take a little bit longer when it comes to coaches. I try not to get emotional about it. I know that's really hard to do, but I appreciate the fact that we were, especially now looking back in retrospect, I appreciate the fact that at least we were competitive under Mar Fox. I really do. I mean, think back to those years, guys. Wasn't it fun? Like wasn't just realistically wondering if we could get in the tournament. Wasn't that fun? Like compared to what we have now, I know it's all relative. It's all relative, but at least it was kind of fun being able to pull up Joe Lenardi's bracketology and like wondering if we were actually if if we're going to be on there. Like we had a realistic chance to be on there when you pull up his bracketology. Yeah, it's probably going to be like first four out, next four out, last four in, those kind of things. That's usually where we were under Mark Fox. That was kind of just the, the general state of things, but. At least we were there, like that was kind of fun. And I and I did think that Mark Fox was a fantastic coach, like teacher of the game. Now, recruiting, outside of a few exceptions, you know, obviously KCP guys like that. Recruiting, nada, not so much. But I do think. There's something in the fact that he was able to take guys like Nimi Jurisic and JJ Frazier, who was extraordinarily lightly recruited coming out of high school. Jawan Parker's another example. Take guys like that, under recruited guys, and develop them. I think there's something to be said for that. But we eventually, like, we just reached a point, man. We reached a point where it was pretty clear, and then very, very clear to me, he was not going to get us to the next level. And that's when I jumped on the okay it's time we move on, on for Mark Fox train because we just weren't landing the players and I can, and I can say that and still say I respect the guys. I do think he's a really good coach. Problem was we just were not recruiting consistently well enough to be able to kind of take that next step. Like he did a really good job getting us competitive and keeping us there, but we just weren't making enough tournaments. I mean, you only get to two NCAA tournaments in 9 years, 10 Cs both times and you don't win either of those games. At some point, you just got to say, All right, man, this is just, this is not working. Like, I, we appreciate what you've done to get us where we are. It's been fun, but we want to take the next step. And I think that's okay for a program. I know there's some people say, Well, you know, you, 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 grass isn't always greener. You got to appreciate what you have when you got it. And I, I get that. Mark Foster did, did do some good things for us. but this idea that a program, even if you don't have any basketball tradition like us, that we can't strive to be better, I completely reject that. So I don't think it was a mistake to move on from Mark Fox. We gave the guy nine years. Honestly, we gave him way longer than he probably should have had. Problem was, we just landed the wrong guy. We hired the wrong guy. And if you have a basketball history like we have, where you have essentially no tradition to speak of, nothing kind of hang your hat on, you have to nail the hire like we did with Tubby Smith and then later on with Jim Herrick. You have to, well, obviously the Herrick <laughs> tenure ended in, in shame, ended in scandal, but hey, we won a lot of games with Jim Herrick. But you got to nail the hire with guys like that if you're a program like Georgia that doesn't have that tradition because you don't have that natural appeal to players because you've never really been good. You can't hire guys like Ron Gersa and Dennis Felton and now Tom Crean and expect things to get better. You just got to nail the higher. And I think this is just more evidence that what's happened here with Tom Crean. So I just wanted to throw that in there, but that takes us to what I think is the much bigger and much more relevant question as we move forward. Who is that guy? Who is the hire, the quote unquote right hire, to take us to the next step, to blow the roof off of this program? And again, I know blowing the roof off this program is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time, but who's the guy that can be Tubby Smith and Jim Herrick, maybe our Bruce Pearl, and eventually get us to that point, our Scott Drew potentially. Who is going to be that guy? And in answering that, I think the first question we have to look at and we have to answer is what are the qualities? What is the criteria that Josh Brooks, as our AD, the guy who's going to be making this hire, at least ostensibly making this hire, what does he need to be looking for in a prospective coach as he conducts this search process moving forward. And, and make no mistake, guys, that search process is well underway, even though Tom Green has not been officially fired, there's back channeling going on. That's happening. So with this back channeling going on, with these discussions that are bound to happen eventually, what should Josh Brooks be looking for? For me, I think it has to start with the recruiting. You cannot have a guy running the show that cannot land big time players. You're not going to win at a high level, if you don't have high level players, we've been there. We've done that with Mark Fox. Fantastic coach, could not consistently recruit well enough for us to get over that hump and be consistently making tournaments and making deep runs occasionally in that tournament. If Fox, honestly, if he could have been more productive on the trail, like I think he was a good enough coach for us to make the final four. If he was recruiting, like if if he recruited like Bruce Pearl has been recruiting, we absolutely. Could have made the final four. I think Mar Fox is a better basketball coach than Bruce Pearl. He just can't even hold a candle to the way that Bruce Pearl is able to sell his program and recruit. That that's the difference there. But if he could have landed players, like absolutely, we could have made deep runs. He just couldn't consistently land those guys. And you guys know if you've listened to me for, for, for a while, I think I said this recently, actually, in the past week or so on the show. And I, I apply this to basketball as much as I apply it to football. I think winning at a high level in college sports is about three things: acquisition talent acquisition, talent development, and talent deployment. You can also maybe throw in this with the transfer portal, talent retention as well. Maybe it's four things now, talent retention with the transfer portal, but you got to acquire the talent. You got to develop the talent. You got to deploy the talent. You have to retain the talent. Okay. You got to do those four things. I thought Mark Fox was an A plus developer of talent. I have a high level of respect for what he was able to do with some of those players that were not highly recruited and were not overly talented players. I thought Mark Fox was a good deployer of talent strategically, especially on defense. Offensively, I did not like the slow pace, and I thought sometimes we couldn't get out of our own way on offense. But for the, especially defensively, I'll give him like a, a B plus, A minus for deployment of his talent. Uh, recruiting mm, C-, minus, I don't. I mean, I could give him a D, but he did land a couple of guys. You know, Kenny Gaines and Charles Mann were pretty high level recruits. Uh, so was. Tyree Crump, we did land KCP. We were going to probably get Anthony Edwards with him. Uh, we did have Ashton Hagens commit at one point then he decommitted. I guess he didn't get any points for second place, but it wasn't that he couldn't recruit anybody, just not enough players and not consistently enough. Too many classes went by where we just were not recruiting at near enough high level, especially his latter classes. But you have to be able to recruit. That is criteria quality number one that I am looking for. You've got to be able to recruit because I believe. With acquisition, development, deployment, retention, I think acquisition is the most important because without player acquisition, getting the players, none of the other stuff matters. You can't develop them if you don't have them. You can't deploy them if you don't have them. You can't retain them if you don't have them. You gotta get the players. That's first and foremost the name of the game. And there's just so much talent in the state of Georgia in general, but in the metro area in particular, there's so much talent. But the problem is that talent's going elsewhere. I mean, just on the top of my head here, last two or three classes we're talking about right now. Jabari Smith might be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, playing at Auburn right now. Matthew Cleveland, highly talented guy, five-star guy, playing at Florida State. Sharif Cooper is in the is in the NBA right now. Was a, a high-level player for Auburn last year as a true freshman. Walker Kessler is a freaking like triple legacy. And he leaves the state of Georgia, goes to North Carolina. I get it. North North Carolina's great, awesome. Now he transfers and goes to Auburn, like, oh, my God, just kill me right now. Uh, JT Thor was a really good player for Auburn last year, went pro. Eric Gaines um, started a bunch of games for LSU. He's a shooting guard. Isaac Coro was the first, I think, top five, maybe fourth overall pick. Maybe, if I remember correctly, with the Cleveland Cavaliers who are now just doing big things in the NBA. Nahim game a name that's not as prominent, but he's a really good player for Virginia Tech. And that's just on the top of my head. Those are some names of guys just in the past two or three years that are Georgia dudes, most of them Metro guys, and they're not even giving Georgia a sniff. It's just not happening. So we got to start there. You have to be an elite recruiter. But saying that, you also have to be careful here. You can't get a guy who's only a recruiter because an inability to actually develop and coach up the talent, deploy the talent that you have on hand can keep a sitting on your program as much as not being able to recruit these guys can. Like Here's an example. You can't be Penny Hardaway at Memphis, okay? Penny Hardaway Five top twelve players. That dude, he got the job. He basically engineered a coup at Memphis to get Tubby Smith out and say, "Hey, you hire me. I'm going to bring James Wiseman. I'll recruit all these guys. I got personal relationships with them from the AAU circuit." And he delivered, right? He delivered the players. Five top twelve players in the last three cycles, but has not one single tourney appearance to date, and that includes this year, guys. They ain't going to the tournament this year. They were they were ranked in the preseason, ranked for the first part of the season, the non conference slate for most of it. And then they just fell off the map. They're fifth in the freaking American conference right now. And oh yeah, one of our six wins, that was against Memphis. That's where Memphis is right now. So you can get all the players you want, but you also have to be able to coach them up. And they kind of go hand in hand. I do think getting the players is the most important, but clearly you've also got to be able to develop and deploy that talent in order to maximize their ability. And I think I would prefer that whoever we hire has a strong track record of doing exactly that. Uh, I also think, thinking, speaking of a track record, I think that whoever we hire needs to have a track record of turning around programs, uh, not tra- programs that are not traditionally powerhouse programs or at least aren't traditionally winning programs. There are a couple of guys out there, quite a few guys out there that have track records of doing that. And I think that's important here because guys, I mean, let's, let's not be delusional. Let's be real. That's what this is. This job, whoever takes this job, this is a colossal turnaround job, All right, This is a rebuild. Let's be very real about that. So that's something that's important to me when I'm looking at what coach I'm going to try to hire. I would also prefer a coach with an up-tempo offense. I mean, Tom Green has that, but um, I don't like the way it's operating because I think he just accepts turnovers far too routinely and we just play out of control. You can play up-tempo and not be out of control. They're not mutually exclusive things. But I, I would still prefer a coach who runs an up-tempo style offense, not going back to like what we have with Mark Fox. Because I think that's what typically attracts top players. I do think that's one of the things that hurt Mark Fox recruiting is that guys just weren't going to put up numbers in our offense. Which it's not this wide open offense that allowed these guys to go out and kind of showcase what they could do. So I think that's something I would be looking at as well. Here's another thing that I haven't heard people mention very much, but to me, this is very important. I'm a big believer that with the current generation of athletes, you need a player's coach. You need a guy that can relate to these players and is not going to be that like authoritarian tyrant kind of guy. He's not going to be that dictator on the sidelines, in the locker room, on the practice courts. I think that's very important for a couple reasons. Number one, it all emanates from the transfer portal, okay, with guys leaving and guys coming in. It's just too easy now for guys if they feel like they are being, because what do they call it now, guys? Like if you're hard on a player, if you're riding him, now that's called verbal abuse. I mean, we're, you see that with Brian Harson right now. I mean, do I think Brian Harson is out there throwing out racial slurs and telling guys to kill themselves? Like, no, I'm sure he hasn't gone that far. At least I want to believe he hasn't gone that far. There've been no reports or anything like that. He's probably just, you know, cussing guys up and down. And this generation of players, guys, I'm telling you, I work with young people for a living. They aren't going to be having that. They're just not. That's now verbal abuse. What you and I went through as young players growing up, that was just routine. You just accepted it. It was just part of being coached, right? You just, a coach is ripping you a new one. That's just part of playing sports. We were conditioned to that. We were used to it. Now, players, not so much. It's verbal abuse. Again, Brian Harson is like exhibit A of that right now. Just very simple. The days of being a dictator in sports, they're gone. Uh, i'm not saying that no one can get away with it but it's rare it's a very rare coach that can get away with it these days you have to be like an established legend basically you have to be like nick saban you got to be coach k although coach k's even kind of softened himself these days you know you got to be a guy like that like bob knight bob knight could not exist in today's world at least the way that he existed back when he was making his run with indiana for all those years you just you just can't exist those kind of guys simply cannot exist because guys are going to leave. First off, they're going to leave. They're going to transfer out. They have that option now. It's also going to impact on the flip sides and impact really to land guys from the portal. You don't think people know your reputation? They want to come play for a tyrant like that? It's going to dog cuss them up and down? Like, no, they don't want to do that. So I truly believe you have to have a player's coach. And to be that, I'm not saying you have to be young because you can be older and still be able to make connections with guys and still be a player's coach. But I do believe that skewing younger often helps you in that ability to build relationships and relate to the players. I do believe that is a big thing. So, I'm not saying that's like the dominant criteria I'm looking at, but it's certainly on my list of things I'm looking at. So, let's recap that real quick. Recruiting number one, you got to be able to develop and coach up the players. To me, you need to have some evidence of turning around a program because that's what this is. I would prefer an up tempo offense, and I really do want a players coach. That's the criteria I'm looking for. So, who fits that? Who is the guy that fits that? Now, I'm going to do this in tears. I am. But before I reveal those tears, I want to go a little bit out of order and address a name that a lot of fans have been. And I would say, at least, fans I interact with, most fans that I interact with. I, mean, I don't want to speak for all Georgia fans. I don't. I mean, but the ones that I've interacted with, I think most people are throwing around the name Jonas Ace. Um, especially if you partake in social media, that's what you see a lot. And as you guys know, Jonas Hayes, former player, former assistant coach here under Mark Fox, and understandably so, I get it. I get the sentimentality here. A lot of people are calling for us to bring Jonas home and, and insert um, our basketball version of, of Kirby Smart. That's what you hear, right? Former player, loves Georgia. Spent five years here as an assistant. He's an Atlanta guy. He's got tons of connections in the Atlanta high school ranks, the AU circles. That's true. Legit. Check. Let's go. I mean, he, he checks that box. I mean, he would be a I, I do believe he'd be a lights out recruiter here. I think he would certainly help us keep some of those guys, enough of those guys home, you're still going to be recruiting recruiting against guys like Bruce Pearl and Calipari and and Coach, well, not Coach K anymore, but the Dukes of the world. You're going to be recruiting against John Shire, North Carolina. You're going to be recruiting against all these programs. Guys, everybody wants to come to Georgia because there's a lot of talent here. It's no different than football. They want to come here. But the game about basketball is you got five guys on the court at one time, so you only need a handful. You don't need all of them. You just need a couple of them, right? And I think he will recruit lights out for us. Check there. I do agree with that. Younger guy, players coach, check that criteria is met. Love that. So I get it. I get where people are coming from. I'm not saying you're crazy. But however, despite all those check marks and the things that he has got going for him in this search, he, in my opinion, is a much bigger risk than a lot of other candidates would be. He's got no head coaching experience. There's no evidence he can turn a program around. There's no evidence of that. And to me, I told you guys, that's something that's important to me. And we have no idea exactly what his offense will look like is he gonna be a disciple of of mark fox and travis steel where he is at xavier right now the guy is coaching under there uh at xavier they're not up tempo. they're more mark fox s they're not like a a run and gun style offense so does he go with what he knows he bucked the trend is they have his own style we don't know the answers to those questions so there's risk there it's not to me just a home run higher it might turn out to be a home run hire if that's the way we go, and it, it could be incredible. I'm open to that idea. I think that's certainly possible, but I don't think that's guaranteed. I've also even heard, as I said a second ago, I've heard some people compare like, the possibility of hiring Jonas to us hiring Kirby Smart You know, years back, whatever many years ago now, was back in 2016. Say, oh, you know, he, Kirby had no head coaching experience, so it, it, neither is Jonas. So if Kirby could do it, then why can't Jonas? Well, a different situations there, guys. Comparing Kirby's resume as an assistant to Jonas's resume as an assistant is just asinine to me. Like it's not even in the same stratosphere, not even close. Kirby was the premier assistant in the country for many years, many years. Jonas is a a valuable assistant to a solid Xavier program, sure, absolutely, but has nowhere near the chops that Kirby had as an assistant coach. He's got no championships under his belt. He's by my calculations, he has been an assistant coach for nine seasons, and those nine seasons has been a part of one NCAA tournament team, and that team made a first-round exit. Plus, he's taking over a program that's an also ran with no tradition, which is not what Kirby did. Kirby took over a great program in really good shape. They just needed some new leadership, and obviously it took off. Very, very different situation. We didn't necessarily need a guy with head coaching experience to come in and rebuild our program from the bottom up because it wasn't in need of being rebuilt from the bottom up whereas our basketball program is i guess i should add that to my list of criteria i would prefer someone that has head coaching experience like that let's add that put that one in there and jonas just doesn't have that he just doesn't have that so i'm not saying that jonas should not get an interview he absolutely should get an interview 100 percent. and i'm not saying that i wouldn't be on board if he got the job i would absolutely be excited for him, be excited for our program, and I'd be willing to 100% give him a chance like I would any other coach. Well, most other coaches. And I'm not saying I think he wouldn't do a good job. I'm not saying that at all. I'm very open to the possibility that Jones could be hired, come in here, and he would be awesome and take this program to heights that it's never seen before. I think that's possible. I do think there's a world where that's possible. All I'm trying to say is that hiring Jonas Hayes should not be a slam dunk. It can't be a pro forma thing where we bring him in for an interview. I know you guys can't see me, but it's a, in quotations, an interview, just like we brought in Kirby Smart for an interview. Um, We can't just bring him in for this interview and then not interview anyone else and just give him the job like it went down with Kirby. We cannot do that. He doesn't have the reputation. He doesn't have the evidence right now for him to be able to point to and say, I clearly am the guy for the job. There's just too many questions, too many unknowns for it to go down like that. There's just risk. There's just risk to it because of the fact, again, that he's never been a head coach and the, the empirical evidence just, it's just not there. It's not there. Here's the test, guys. Here's what I would ask you to do. Here's the test right now. If Jonas Hayes had not gone to Georgia, how many people would be clamoring for him right now? Where would he be? Would he even be on our radar if Jonas had not gone to Georgia? And if your answer is no, for me the answer is probably no, based on his his resume as an assistant coach. The answer is probably no there. So if the answer is no to that question, then why is the fact that he went to Georgia? Why does that overwhelm all of that, overcome all of that, and make him the right hire? That's what I would ask you. I, I get being the being an alumnus like Kirby Smart is that helps you sell the program. I do think he would recruit well. But if he had gone to Georgia, I don't think anyone would be clamoring for Jonas Hage right now. So just because he went to Georgia, that's going to elevate him to be the guy? I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. I don't know. So he's on my list, He's just not at the top of my list, okay? So I want to address him because I know a lot of people are gung-ho about Jonas A's, and he's the guy.
0: You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads.
1: But who is on the rest of the list? I've teased this long enough. I am going to go through this in tears. Um, and look, guys, this is the first time we're going to do this. We're going to do this again as we get more information. There's not a ton of information flowing out there right now. I've tried to talk to people. I don't know what many people in the basketball program not like i going to do with football. Not that I know a lot of people are on the football program, but I know enough to get some things. I don't really know anyone around basketball, so I'm kind of flying blind here, but I am a very enthusiastic consumer of college basketball, and I follow it very closely. I have a solid base of knowledge regarding the sport, and I'm going to use that base of knowledge to draw from here as I make my list and break this down into different tiers, okay? And again, we'll do this again as we get more information, as more stuff starts to leak out, but here's the first shot at this. You can call it a hot board if you want. Let's call it a hot board. It's the glory UGA Georgia basketball hot board right now. And tier, actually above tier one, I'm going to start with what I would call the dream on candidates. And these are guys that if we landed, if we actually made the hire, I think would be grand slams, but it's just not happening for non-basketball reasons. And there's two guys on this list. Number one, Rick Pitino. Number two, Sean Miller. Guys, we're not going to hire either one of them. I would love to hire Rick Pitino. I really would. Like, I know some people say uh, you have to have integrity. Uh, I get that. I, yeah, I, 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 understand that. I do. But guys, like, there aren't many people out there with like completely pure, clean hands these days, especially in college basketball. And I know Rick Pitino. Um, <laughs> A lot of things that Ruppertino's passed. I mean, most recently, what got him fired, like the hooker thing, getting prostitutes for players at Louisville, and had an assistant coach. It really was an assistant coach, but you know, he's the head coach, and you're supposed to be aware of these things. And he says he didn't know, but it doesn't matter. The NCAA has passed legislation saying it doesn't matter if you don't know. You, you got to know these things. So he was gone. He goes to Greece, coaches for a little while, comes back. Now he's at Iona, but Rippertino might be the greatest, like, actual coach of the last. 30, 40 years, like he's that good of a coach, I mean, I think he's a probably a better coach, not probably, he's a better basketball coach than Coach K, there's like X's and O's, that kind of thing, I have a high level of respect for, for Rip Pitino there, but with the history of our basketball program in particular, and our university's just general aversion to anything remotely controversial, with some of the the scandals we've had in the past, again, especially with the basketball program of the Herrick years, we are not going to go that route. That's just not the Georgia way, right? We're not going to do that. So Rick Pitino, I think he's, he's 70 years old. I will say that he's old. He wouldn't be here that long, but... Hey, get Ripatino give him a couple years, and you get the program on the right track, and then it could take off. Kind of like what you saw with, with Bob Knight with Texas Tech. Like he wasn't going to be a long time guy at Texas Tech. Got that program going, and you, you know they, they went down for a little bit, but you bring Tubby Smith in, get some back for a little while, and then you you bring in Chris Beard and takes him to a, a Final Four, into a, a national championship game. So it could be something like that, but we're not going to hire him. Sean Miller, same thing. Now, Sean Miller honestly hasn't done anything that's not legal right now. He just did it when it wasn't legal, and he was caught on tape by the FBI, and Arizona stuck with him for a while, and then he got fired because they just didn't win enough games. But the reason they didn't win, did not win enough games is because it was hard for him to recruit at that point with all the FBI attention around him. It was just really hampering him on the recruiting trail. But I think him a couple years away from that, I, I think he could absolutely be a big time coach for us, absolutely. But again, it's not going to happen. We're not going to bring anybody with that kind of baggage. It's just not going to happen. So we'll love those guys. I think those would be home run, grand slam hires, but not going to happen. So let's get to people that I think that I mean I don't tier one. These aren't really realistic. Let's get to people that might have like even like a one one thousandth percent chance of being hired. So we're going to start with tier one, and these are what I'm going to call the reach candidates. So, like, if you guys have seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, got that movie's so old now. It makes me feel really old. I used to love that when I was a kid. But if you're familiar with that movie, Jim Carrey, you know, he's asking, hey, do, just tell me, do I have a chance? And she's like, well, one in a million. He goes, so you're telling me there's a chance, right? I just butchered that, but you know what I'm talking about. That's who these guys are. Like, yeah, extraordinarily unlikely, but not impossible, maybe. Like, there's a chance out there, but still be... Very surprising if we were able to pull them. So the top of this list, and this is in no certain order inside the tiers, which is the first guy I have on the on the tier one list, is Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller was at UNC Greensboro for quite a few years. Former North Carolina player. There was a thought, you know, once Roy stepped down, that he might be a candidate in North Carolina, but they stuck in house. That was Roy's plan. Uh, he basically ignored his successor with Hubert Davis. But there was a lot of talk, and there was there was some momentum within the North Carolina fan base for Wes Miller. I mean, he's a guy that's highly thought of, very young coach. He recently took the job at Cincinnati. He's actually his first year there at Cincinnati, and he's had, he's had a solid year. He's a really, really good coach. There's some great things at UNC Greensboro. I actually like to watch them play when I got a chance to, like when it was like conference tournament time. It was about the only time you ever really find them on TV, but it was a lot of fun to watch that team play very, very well coached. I'm not saying it's impossible here, but the thing about it is Cincinnati, I know this is hard for us to admit, but let's just, again, let's Let's be real with ourselves. The Cincinnati job, basketball job, is a better job than the Georgia basketball job right now. Now, does Cincinnati have the higher as high of a ceiling as we do? No, they don't. But they're closer to that to their ceiling than we are. Far closer, right? And it's just an easier job to win at right now. I also don't know if he would be willing to take the job. Really, it's more does does West Miller want this job than anything. I just don't. I don't think West Miller. I'm not going to say he wouldn't entertain it because I think we could throw a lot of money. What I've heard is that we're going to throw upwards near like $5 million or somebody if it's the right guy. And you'd be crazy to not look at that money because right now he's only making one point. He's scheduled to make $1.3 million next year in Cincinnati. Would Cincinnati match what we offer? I mean, if it was up in like the 2 to $3 million range, probably. But if we go to like the 4 or 5 I don't, I don't think that they would offer that. I mean, could they even offer that? Do they have the money for that? And like, would they want to? Like, has Westno done enough for them to like, honestly, has he done enough for us to pay that much for him? That's a little bit of a reach for us. And would they want to pay that much to match that? I don't know. And here's the other thing. I don't know how much college basketball you guys watch, but Hubert Davis at North Carolina in his first year replacing Roy Williams, again, anointed by Roy Williams. um, They might not make the tournament, guys. They might not make the tournament. And I I have a lot of North Carolina fans in my extended family. My, my, both my parents are from North Carolina, from Murphy, North Carolina, if you might know who that is, in Cherokee County, just over the Georgia border, a big old casino there now. Um, so I have a lot of North Carolina fans in my extended family. I actually liked North, North Carolina basketball a lot growing up. So I'm telling you that there are a lot of people in that fan base who are not thrilled with Hubert Davis. And they weren't really like completely on board when he got hired, but they're like, you know uh, you what, know, Hubert's a North Carolina guy. Very similar to Jonas, Right. They, they stayed in-house, hired a North Carolina guy who loves the program, who's got a reputation as a good recruiter, a player's coach, but has no experience whatsoever. And he is pretty clearly weighing over his head right now. Now, the roster isn't great, but man, like he's just, he's, it's, he's not getting the job done. They really might not make the NCAA tournament right now in year one. And so there's a world where Hubert Davis might not be there for the long run. And Wes Miller is very well positioned to be the next guy that they take a shot on. I, I actually put my money on it being West Miller if Hubert Davis does indeed get fired here in the next couple of years. If he says, doesn't start winning, that's going to happen. He doesn't have the cachet and the reputation and the resume to have a long leash like a guy like like obviously uh, Roy Williams had. doesn't have that. So, Wes Miller might be watching that and be like, hmm, do I really want to go into a rebuild situation when North Carolina might come open in a couple of years? I can stay at this nice, comfortable job. It's a good job. It's not an elite job, but a good job. So, it's, a, it's it's a long shot to me. I think it's very much a reach. The money is the one that could play in our favor what we what we would be willing to pay him. But outside of that, I just don't see how our job would be that attractive to a guy like Wes Miller. But if we landed him, that would be a flat out home run hire. Next guy on my list, I almost put him in like the dream on candidates. I don't honestly don't want to hire him, but I've heard some people talk about him and I get it. Greg Marshall, longtime coach for Wichita State, no longer the coach wichita state why because he was verbally abusing players like he was just a tyrant. that's what greg marshall is. he's got a reputation just a, a just a jackass a bad dude that you just not, don't want to deal with just not a nice guy and that's again in the past it was okay like you didn't have to be a nice guy you just got to win but it's a different age so i just don't know how he would play and because of that like i just i i would not want greg marshall i honestly would be very skeptical of that hire now it might work out because he's a really good basketball coach But in the current climate of things, I just, I don't know, man. But I throw his name out there. He's going to get a job. And I would be surprised if we don't, like, at least, you know, entertain the idea, do some channeling there. But I just, I'm not super high on him. I think that's a reach. I think he's going to have better options than where our basketball program is right now. Um, But you never know. The guy that that basically got removed essentially for cause and who's just just verbally abusing players, again, whatever that might mean in, in this day and age, He might not have as many options, so maybe he would be open to a rehab job here at Georgia. I don't know, but I'm not too enthusiastic about his potential candidacy. Here's a name that I would love. Another older guy, John Beeline, right? Took Michigan, was a really good coach at West Virginia for a while, took Michigan to two national championship games. Didn't win them, but took them there, and then got parlayed that into a job with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But kind of what I was saying, like being a players coach, connecting with young players, he got run out of Cleveland within like a year because he was having problems relating to those players. Now, college NBA is a different animal, right? Obviously, those guys are getting paid far more than the coach, and it's just a different things, but I still think he could play well in college. He's got the reputation. He's got the background. He's an older guy. He's 69 years old, so he's not a, a young pup, the kind of guy I'd prefer, but again, there, maybe there's something to be said that the experience, kind of just getting our program on the right track, and you bring somebody else that can really Take it to the next level, so I would be okay with that. I just again, I think John Beeline, he's retired right now. If he wants a job, he doesn't need the money. If he wants a job, John Beeline can get a much better job than Georgia. So I just think that's a reach higher. But hey, man, I'd be all about it. Here's another name, guys, a blast from the past. Remember the uh, the hurricane run to the SEC championship that got Dennis Felton one more year because we got an NCAA tournament, and we couldn't fire him after that. One of the guys on that team, Dave Bliss, played center, center power forward, he was a big guy on that team. Dave Bliss is an up-and-coming star, but in the coaching ranks. But he's in the NBA right now. He's coaching for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He even there's he's even a name that's gotten some run in like NBA circles for a potential head coaching jobs. So he'd be fantastic. Talk about like former players, Dave Bliss would be a fantastic hire. But he's right now more of an NBA guy. Doesn't mean he can't make the move over the college game. We've seen Eric Musselman do that. But I think you have to at least talk to him, broach a subject, I think he'll probably opt to stay in the NBA because, again, he's in line eventually here in probably the not-too-distant future to get an NBA head coaching job, and you just make more money doing that. But you might have the allure of coming back home to your alma mater, and, and you just don't know how people are built. You just don't know what's important to them, what they value. But that's there's a chance there, obviously, him being an alum and being a former player, but very much a reach candidate. But if he got him, I would be stoked about that. I'd be very, very happy. And here's my last reach candidate, and I think some people would say this would be like more of a realistic hire. My next tier is the realistic home runs. And he kind of like, he's straddling the line between reach candidate and a realistic home run. And this is BYU coach Mark Pope. Now, he actually did spend one season under Mark Fox here in Athens as an assistant coach. So there's a little bit of a connection there. And he's been fantastic at BYU. He's combined 44 and 15 two seasons at BYU coming into this season. Um, They were a six seed in the tournament last year. This guy is doing a heck of a job at at, at BYU. Absolutely. The problem is, here's why I think it's a reach. He's a very devout Mormon, all right? BYU, obviously, a Mormon university in Utah. I think it would take some extraordinarily epic offer in the right situation to take Mark Pope out of Utah, away from BYU. That's just my read on it. I don't know him obviously don't know him person, but I don't know, you know, too much of the details of like what he's looking for. I don't know that, but just I do know he's a very devout Mormon. I know he's done a really good job at BYU. I know he's a hot name out there. And if he's going to leave BYU and take a job, it's going to be a good job, a really good job. And right now, guys, Georgia's job is not a really good job. It has potential to be a really good job, like has a very high ceiling. But it's we're we're a ways away from that. I just don't know if a guy like Mark Pope, if he decides, first off, he's got to decide he wants to leave BYU. And being a devout Mormon, I'm not sure. Um, But if he does decide he wants to leave, it's not going to be for a place like Georgia. Not impossible. And I, and I would be so excited. Another guy I'd be just so pumped, man. And to be a home run. I just, I don't see it happening. So just got to be honest with you guys. Wes Miller, Greg Marshall, John Beeline, Dave Bliss, Mark Pope. They're on the list. They're in tier one, but these are reach candidates. Not impossible, but it would be very difficult to actually pull those guys. Well, let's go to some more realistic options. And that's who I've got here in tier two. Tier two is my realistic home runs. Guys that if we hired, I think would be home run hires and would have us turn around pretty quickly, relatively quickly, and are actually kind of realistic. And the first guy on my list here, again, no particular order, but the first guy on my list is Chris Mack. And if that name sounds familiar, if you don't follow basketball that closely, he uh, used to be the coach at Xavier, parlayed that, had a lot of success at Xavier, parlayed that into the job at Louisville once Rick Pitino got fired, had some good success early at Louisville but then things kind of got out of hand there was a whole I don't want to go into all the details it would take forever to explain this but during the off season, there was like an extortion attempt from one of his former assistant coaches Dino Gaudio who used to be the head coach at Wake Forest and some like TV work for ESPNU for a while. When uh, Matt got the job at Louisville, he brings Dino Gaudio in as assistant coach, and then Dino Gaudio kind of got in trouble for some, for some NCAA stuff, and Chris Mack was going to move on from him, and Gaudio said, hey, I got dirt on you. If you fire me, or if you don't give me the buyout that I want, then I'm going to release this dirt. And He got really nasty, and yeah, you can look it up. It's, it's a whole thing, and so Chris Mack actually, because of what went on with that and how he kind of responded to that and how he handled that situation, I think he was suspended for like six games to start this season so he was kind of already on thin ice to kind of fractured the relationship between, between him and the Louisville administration and then this year they didn't get off to a good start The roster was honestly a mess it just was not a good roster they probably weren't going to make the tournament anyway because they didn't have the players to do that but they got off to a poor start and he didn't really handle it super well um, caught out his players in press conferences at least you know in a roundabout way and challenged their toughness and their manhood and things like that players didn't love it and so finally, both sides in the middle of this year, like a two like two weeks ago, they decided to part ways amicably. I think they negotiated a buyout. And so he is no longer employed by Louisville. Uh, my question about Chris Mack is like how things went down with his players this year, questioned them like that. And there was certainly a fractured or ruptured relationship between him and his players. And again, one of my key things I'm looking for and this next coach is a player's coach, but the thing is, Chris Mack never really had that kind of reputation before this year, kind of got out of hand, so I don't know what to think of that, but Chris Mack has been a really good coach for the vast majority of his career, I mean, this is the kind of, like, for us to get a big name, it has to be a guy who's looking to, like, rehab his career, he probably wouldn't be here that long. If he came in, if we hired a guy like that and he was successful, he'd parlay that into another big time job. At least he would get us on the right track. For him to parlay that into a big time job, you have to do a good job here and put us on the right track. And then we were kind of off and running. So I would make the hire of Chris Mack if Chris Mack was interested. But again, with some of the scandal that's kind of in his background this past year, although it's, it's mild stuff, it's not really so much him. It's kind of how he responded to it. I don't know if our administration wants to jump into that bag and, and the optics of hiring a guy who just got fired, had to get bought out in the middle of the season. I don't know if the optics of that are great, but I think, you know, with the options that he might have available to him right now, I think it's more realistic than I would have thought. Like if you would have told me, you know, two years ago that Chris Mack would be the coach of Georgia, I would have said, yeah, right. I'm going to laugh you out of the room. There's no freaking way Chris Mack's going to come to Georgia and ever be the Georgia coach. But now with the situation he you finds yourself in, I think it might be a, an attractive option to kind of get back into coaching. So that's all I'm saying. Options are limited. Uh, I don't know if we'll go there, but I think it's more realistic than names like Wes Miller and John Beeline and Dave Bliss. So he's in my realistic home runs. If we were able to land Chris Knack, I do think he would do a great job. I think he'd be a home run higher. The next name here on my tier two list of realistic home runs is a guy that I think most of you probably haven't heard of unless you're like a hardcore bat- college basketball fan like I am. And it's Colorado State's head coach Nico Nedved. He coached at Furman for a couple years before getting the Colorado State job. Actually, he coached at Furman and then Drake and then Colorado State. When he took over Furman, they were seven and twenty-four the year before he took over. Two years later, gets into nineteen wins and then twenty-three wins. Then he t- took Drake. Also, oddly, the same record. He took Drake from seven and twenty-four and nine and twenty-two each of the three years prior to being seven and 24, he took them to 17 and 17 in one season on the job, got the Colorado State job, Took they were 11 and 21 when he got the job, took them to 20, 20 wins in year two, 20 more wins in year three, and he's 18 and three right now. Um, in fact, if you go back to when he was at Furman, look at some some Ken Palm numbers. If you guys aren't familiar with kinpom Palm, it's, it's a metric that most people who follow college basketball very closely they follow this metric and it really gives you a really good indication. I think the best indication of how good a team actually is. So he brought Furman from number 342 in Pom the year before he arrived to number 106 in his fourth year there. In his one year at Drake, he jumped in from 258 in Kimpom all the way to 155. So go back to my criteria. One of my big criteria, especially with the state of our program, is Evidence that you have been able to rebuild programs, take them from the ground up, and he's done that—not at one stop, not at two stops, but three different stops. This guy is a flat-out home run hire. If we were able to land him, I think he's more realistic than guys like Dave Bliss and John Beeline and Mark Pope. That's why he's on this list. But I still kind of a—I have, have a hard time believing that he won't have better options than George, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe he sees the opportunity. I mean, hey, you know, Oklahoma is a, a really good job. I'm not going to say it's, it's a good job. But, you know, Porter Moser was a guy at Loyola Chicago, and he just wanted to get out of, out of Loyola Chicago. He ends up Oklahoma. And I mean, Oklahoma, again, it's a good job, better job than George. They've had more recent success than we have, but that's not like an elite job. So maybe we could get a guy like that. And if we did, flat out home run for me. Uh, next guy here on my list is Grant McCaslin. He's led two programs, Arkansas State and North Texas, to 20 win seasons. He led North Texas to an upset victory over Purdue in the tournament last year. Purdue was a good team, and they beat them in the NCAA tournament. My concern with him is that he's a Texas guy. Most of his career has like been in the state of Texas. He was a six-year assistant under Scott Drew, who's the head coach of Baylor's, won the national title last year. Um, he's coaching at North Texas right now. I believe he coached in JUCO um, in Texas. And actually, by the way, he won a JUCO national title as a JUCO coach, won 82% of his games as a D2 coach. This guy is just a winner, absolutely. I mean, at North Texas, um, they've had 18 or more wins each of the last five years. They've won twenty or They've won twenty or more games four times under him. So this guy is just a winner. He's a flat out winner. My concern is is that he kinda of sees himself as like a southwestern guy, a Texas guy, and he can probably get a job in that area that would be considered a, a higher profile and just easier, better job than the Georgia job. But you have to talk to him. And a guy that I absolutely think could come in has the ability to rebuild programs. He's young, can relate to players, can be a players coach, has success um, being a head coach at multiple stops and success multiple stops as a head coach. This is a guy that I think would be a big time hire for us. So he's on my list of realistic home runs. And then finally, the last name here on my list of realistic home runs is Matt McMahon, who is the head coach at Murray State. And look, I know it's Murray State. I know it's the Ohio Valley Conference. But all this guy does at Murray State is win basketball games. That's all this guy does. I mean, so his first two years, 17, 14, 16, 17, uh, they stuck with him. And then he has responded in a big way 26 and 6, 28 and 5, 23 and 9, 22 and 2 this year. Two instantly bursts uh, as the head coach at Murray State. This guy would be a flat out, straight up home run hire. He's a young guy. 43 years old. I mean, if we were able to pull off hiring Matt McMahon, like, I would lose my mind. That would be a hell of a hire. So he's a name to certainly watch out for as well. So those are my realistic home run hires right now. Chris Mack, Nico Medvev, Colorado State, Matt McMahon, Murray State, Grant McCaslin, North Texas. Those are the guys, if we hired them tomorrow, I would say these guys are going to have us turned around, no doubt, within two or three years. We're going to be making tournaments. We're going to be winning tournament games. We're going to be not just on national radar. We could potentially be in national prominence here relatively quickly. Those are the names I'm looking at right now. And then let's move on to tier three. These are guys that I would call really good hires. I don't know if they'd be like slam dunk home run hires, but guys, that if we hired them, I think at the very least we would be in contention to uh, make the tournament here in a couple of years. I don't know if they have the ceiling of some of the other guys I just mentioned that I think would be home runs in tier two, but they're still really good options as well. Uh, at the top of this list here, I got Ron Hunter. If that name sounds familiar, familiar it's because he spent eight years as Georgia State's head coach. He has experience building a programs like Georgia State, which really had no no tradition at all to speak of before Ron Hunter. He gets there, wins the conference three times, makes the late tournament three times. He uh, took over Tulane, where he is right now. They were four and twenty-seven when he got the job, had like one winning season in 25 years. And he hasn't blown the roof off that program yet. But relative to where they were, he's done a really good job at Tulane. He also has a lot of connections in the Atlanta area. Obviously, being the head coach of Georgia State, he can be a great recruiter in the metro area, has a lot of connections that would really be helpful in that regard. He also has a reputation as a player coach, kind of a laid-back, loose kind of guy, very personable has that reputation as a players coach, would also help him in the recruiting game as well, whether it's out of high school, whether it's out of the transfer portal, doesn't matter. He can get players, 100%. And I think he's a guy, here's another added benefit to Ron Hunter. He's the kind of guy that I think could be like a lifer candidate. And what I mean by that is like, I don't don't know if he would see our job as a stepping stone. Like most of these guys, let's be real, we would see our job as kind of a stepping stone. Come to Georgia, make Georgia a winner, and we'll parlay that into a bigger job. I don't know if Ron Hunter sees it that way. I mean, again, Georgia guy, coach of Georgia State, and I don't know if he's perceived like that on a national level, but I think where we are right now as a program, I think we'd be crazy to not at least like entertain the, the possibility to at least talk to him and, and see what's going on there. I think he's a name that I, if we end up hiring him, would be at the very least a really good solid hire. The next one here, and I think this one, this guy very easily could have been in the home run hire list, in the realistic home runs, but my only hold up here is he doesn't have a ton of time, only two years, two full years as the head coach at Cleveland State. But that's Dennis Gates. And Dennis Gates is a hot name, guys. I'm really, really high on Dennis Gates. 19-8, 16-5 right now at Cleveland State. So Dennis Felton, familiar name, right, actually got the job at Cleveland State. He got fired, though, a couple years ago, but he got fired really late in the, in the offseason. So Gates didn't take over as head coach until like late July of his first year. That's really, really late for a guy to take over. I think at one point he had like five scholarship players uh, that were committed to play for them in like 2019, 2020. But he took that. It was like a, basically like a disastrous situation and turned it into an instantly tournament berth in his second year. So to me, that's proof of two things. Can turn around a program and recruiting prowess. Had basically no players. Was able to get players on that roster, recruit well enough to turn that program around very, very quickly. And he's got a really good reputation just going back to his assistant years as a recruiter, as a young guy, a motivator. He worked for Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. And Leonard Hamilton is just like, like, I mean, God, they recruit five stars like it's nothing, man, at Florida They just keep bringing in guys, guy after guy after guy at Florida State. So he's got some experience under a really good head coach in Leonard Hamilton. So I think Dennis Gates, I honestly, I think he could be a home run hire. He just hasn't been at it. He doesn't have the experience. He has some experience, just not as much as guys like McCasson and McMahon and Medvev and Mack. Just doesn't have that kind of experience, but I mean, he very well could be a home run hire if we land a guy like that. I would be extraordinarily excited if we got him. And then finally, the last guy here in my tier three of really good hires is Casey Alexander, the head coach at Belmont. He's another guy. And I know Belmont doesn't play like a high level of basketball. I understand that. But all this guy does is flat out win basketball games at Belmont. I mean, if you look at their... Records the past couple of years. So 20 and 5 this year, 26 and 4 last year, 26 and 7, 27 and 6, 24 and 9. Uh, now, granted, Casey Alexander's only been a head coach for three years. So some of those I just read off, that was Rick Bird. It wasn't Casey Alexander. Casey Alexander, though, 26 and 7, 26 and 4, 20 and 5. This guy, in his brief career as head coach, is winning basketball games. But again, it is a brief year, a brief time as head coach. He also has no evidence of turning around a program. Rick Burt handed him a program that was in really, really good shape. So he doesn't really hit all the criteria. He's young, has a reputation as a player's coach. I love the offense that they run. And I do think he would be a really good hire. I just can't sit here and say that he'd 100% hands down be a home run hire. I just don't know if there's enough evidence to say that at this point. But that takes us to our last tier, which would be what I would call high upside hires. Case Alexander, the reason he's not in the high upside hire range is because he does have a little bit more experience and more success than some of these other guys. But this is where Jonas Hayes will land. A guy like Jonas Hayes who has no experience as a head coach, but absolutely has the makings of a guy that could be a big time head coach, especially in the right job, which I do think George would be the right job for him. But we just don't have that empirical evidence. So Jonas Hayes being be in that list. Charlton Young, who's a really hot assistant, under Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. Just like Jonas Hayes, big-time recruiting shops can recruit the state of Georgia. A lot of connections here in the state would be a big-time hire. I just don't know if I would see Charlton Young here at Georgia. I don't know how realistic that is because he's going to have a lot of options. And let's just, again, be real, better options than Georgia. And he also doesn't have like the hometown pool, the alumni pool like Jonas has. So I, I don't know if that's really a realistic option, but it's a name to at least look at. Jay McCauley is, a, is another name. He is the coach at Wofford right now. He's a former Georgia player. So obviously there's a connection there. Honestly, Jay McCauley, I think would be a better hire than Jonas Hayes in terms of experience. Now, Jonas might be a better recruiter, but McCauley has better experience. Uh, he was an assistant under Chris Holtman, Nico Medvev, Mike Young. So he apprenticed under some big-time head coaches. Um, he's 38 years old, really young, got a reputation as a players coach. He's been at Wofford for three years. They actually beat us this year, so Jay McCauley's a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience and certainly not at a high level playing in the Southern Conference with Wofford, but certainly has that high upside. Kim English is a really young guy, early Thursday. He's 33 years old, played at Missouri for a for a while, and actually not that long ago. Um, He's in his first year as a head coach at George Mason right now. They're about 500, but he's a up-and-coming rising star in the profession. People think very, very highly of him, but again, I think Kim English is a guy that's going to have more options than just Georgia. Oh yeah, by the way, that's another team, another coach that beat us this year with what you would think would be an inferior team, but no, not so much this year. Another name on this list of potential up-and-coming high upside hires would be a guy named Richie Riley, who's the head coach at South Alabama. I'm really intrigued by this guy. I think he'd be a high, high upside type guy if we end up hiring him. He's 39 years old. He actually does have some experience as a head coach at South Alabama, actually four years. So he's one of those guys that Honestly, he's kind of straddling the line between like really good hires and high upside hires. I just haven't seen him do it at a high enough level. It um, doesn't have quite the reputation of a guy like Dennis Gates in terms of like turning around a program. But South Alabama, he's done a good job in his four years there. Um, he's gone 17 17, 2011, 17 11, 15 8 this year. So not like an overwhelming amount of success, knowing late tournament burst. And that's another one of the reasons why he's not on like the really good hire list. That tier three is down in tier four with like high upside because he hasn't had an overwhelming amount of success as a head coach, but he has been a good, solid head coach. I think he has a high upside. He's young, personable, players coach. A lot of the criteria that I want to hit, he hits that. And so he's a guy that I think absolutely you got you to at least investigate, look into, and uh, I think could be a really good hire if that's ultimately the way that we went. I don't know if it will be, but I, I would not be upset with that hire whatsoever. And then finally, I guess this is another guy, Bob Ritchie at Furman, that could kind of straddle the line between tier three and tier four. He does have five years head coaching experience at Furman, but it's just not high level, high major head coaching experience. Not even really mid-major head coaching experience. It's a, it's a to me a notch below that. And uh, he hasn't made a tournament yet. But he's had he's still been very successful there at Furman. 23 and 10, 25 and 8, 25 and 7, 69 last year, 17 and 9 right now. So this is a guy a lot like Richie Riley, and no, they're two different people, Bob Richie and Richie Riley, two different people, but similar in in the regard that they've got four or five years of head coaching experience at a lower level, have had good success, but not like an overwhelming amount of success, but they're young, they're up-and-comers, they're players, coaches, they can recruit all those things that I talked about earlier as part of what I'm looking for in our next head coach, they hit a lot of those boxes. So that's it, guys. Tier four, let's recap those. Jonas Hayes, Charlton Young, Bob Ritchie, Richie Riley, Jay McCauley, Kim English. Those are the high upside higher. So I know that's a lot of names, guys. I know that's a lot of names I just threw at you, and we're going to pare this down as we get closer and closer to making that hire over the course of the next month. We'll do at least one more of these hot board shows. We might do two more, but we'll pare it down. But this first one, I just want to throw a bunch of names at you that I think would be potential options and break them down into different tiers, especially for you guys that might not follow college basketball as closely as I do. So again, I know that's a lot, but we'll break it down and and we'll narrow this down to a, a smaller, more manageable group of names here in the coming weeks. So thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate you sticking out with me here. I know basketball talk is different for us. I wish we could do more of it. Honestly, again, I love college basketball. I wish that we could talk more college basketball, but when we're not that good, uh, which we haven't been for a while, there's not this kind of built in Georgia fan base that just loves talking George basketball and watching Georgia basketball just as a matter of course it's usually only if we're good and we haven't been good in a while so I don't want to talk much George basketball but I want to take this opportunity to do that today and again we'll come back and uh, we'll do this again we'll do this again here in a couple weeks But thank you for listening guys I appreciate you have an awesome weekend and as always go dogs.